Kia ora and welcome to the Kaka. This is my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter to paying subscribers via my substack called the Kaka, in which I look at Aotearoa's political economy and also what's happening in geopolitics and the global economy from the point of view of what it means for housing affordability, climate change and poverty. This week, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, summarise what's been going on through the week in, and look at the five things that I think are worth pulling out of all the noise. It's one of the things I try to do is separate the signal from the noise. And we've had some momentous events. Firstly, Labour has finally managed to get its three waters legislation through Parliament. And there was a, a lot of last minute drama in particular around the idea of entrenching public ownership of these water assets by using an entrenchment clause in which the law would include include a clause that said you needed 60% support in Parliament to be able to sell assets. Now this is different from a lot of other legislation where if you wanted to repeal it, you would need more than uh, only more than 50% of the MPs in Parliament to be able to repeal it. Uh, this was leapt on uh, by uh, initially uh, academics who argued this was not constitutionally um, optimal <laughs> and then the opposition jumped on it. This comes out of uh, an initial plan by the government to include a 75% entrenchment threshold then the government decided, or at least the cabinet did, that there would no be, would be no entrenchment clause. And then at the last minute, during urgency in Parliament, the Greens proposed a 60% entrenchment clause, which Labour MPs supported, and which local government minister Nanaya Mahuta, who's definitely a member of the cabinet, uh, supported as well. Now, on the face of it, it looks like Nanaya Mahuta has acted in defiance of the cabinet. And that is a, a pretty serious event. Uh, the opposition said that the Prime Minister had lost control of her local government minister and that the Prime Minister should sack Nanaya Mahuta for, in theory, breaching the cabinet manual. Now, the Prime Minister came back and said uh, there was no breach and she's not going to sack Nanaya Mahuta because Nanaya was simply responding to a Green Party amendment put into Parliament. Now, that isn't very satisfactory, to be honest, and there was a lot of toing and froing about who knew what when. Essentially, um, this is a case of an unpopular piece of legislation that is causing the government all sorts of grief, rightly or wrongly, and the government decided to essentially ram it through. And in the end... Labour had to use its own majority on its own to pass the legislation through the third reading in Parliament. The Greens and Te Pāti Māori withdrew their support uh, for the third reading. And so it all looked very messy and ugly, and it looks like the government is not as united as perhaps it would like to present. The opposition uh, jumped on this and has again, of course, said that they would repeal Three Waters. If you're looking for more background and uh, analysis on Three Waters, I've written at various points 
and I'll include a link to my most recent one in today's email newsletter. Suffice to say that I think Three Waters was an attempt to solve an infrastructure funding problem by getting these assets, in theory, off the government's balance sheets and off council balance sheets so that they could borrow in their own right. This is, in effect, a breach of the political consensus about having low public debt and also a low public investment in infrastructure. Uh, and in theory, it's a way to get around it and to essentially take political control of water charges and water investment out of the hands of both central government voters and local government voters. Now, that may be a clever political tactic, but it tripped up uh, over its own cleverness, and in particular, the decision to use it as a testbed for co-governance. Now, rightly or wrongly, that was leapt on by opponents, and there were always going to be opponents who wanted to um, stop this shifting of assets from local government to some vaguely organised and represented uh, set of four uh, entities. It's not clear that this will actually save money um, and, in my view, is a poor substitute for simply the government stepping up and using its own balance sheet and having a proper debate about how much investment the public wants to make in its public infrastructure how much it's willing to pay, and how high it wants its taxes. And if it doesn't want to invest heavily and pay higher taxes, then it needs to stop population growth, which it isn't doing. We have this uh, horrible three-cornered problem where we want low taxes, low investment, but high migration, and that's simply not possible without either the infrastructure crumbling or the price of housing exploding and intense pressures on all of them. And it's a pity that we're not having a proper debate about either increasing our investment and therefore our taxes and debt uh, in tandem with uh, a higher population or choosing to have low investment, low taxes and low population growth. We kid ourselves, and certainly politicians do, that we can have both at the same time, i.e., low investment, low taxes, and high migration. And that's uh, simply not possible, uh, despite various attempts to try to fudge the issue by taking assets off balance sheets. No credit rating agency worth its salt or bond investor truly believes those assets are off the balance sheet and would not be rescued or bailed out by a government, either central or local, in the event of a problem. It is a... Um, ginormous fudge that will cost hundreds of millions of dollars in unnecessary extra margins in borrowing over the coming years. That's Three Waters. That was the big event in Parliament this week. Um, the other a big event in and around the beehive in politics was a series of end-of-year interviews the Prime Minister did in which she, as expected, foreshadowed a a, parliamentary, a ministerial reshuffle early in the new year because there's a bunch of people who are saying they're going to retire or leave at the next election. We expect David Clark to confirm that uh, soon and we know that there are various others who are likely to call times call time on their political careers. 
and give the Prime Minister a chance to freshen up the Cabinet going into the election year. She also made comments about uh, clearing the deck somewhat. There's been an awful lot of big, um, gnarly reforms going through, some of which are politically difficult and burning through the government's capital, which it can't afford to do, given it's now anywhere between 7 and 12.5 percentage points behind the National Act opposition in the last two opinion polls. And I put the details of those in the email newsletter. We got results from Roy Morgan and from One News Cantar this week showing the government clearly well behind the opposition and falling further behind and that the opposition, a national enact, could govern alone with the support it has, which is almost at 50% or at 50%, depending on which poll you look at. So the, the, the Prime Minister is uh, looking at this political situation and wondering whether she can focus more clearly on the things that matter to the government and uh, ditch the ballast of things that may be politically difficult. She didn't give an indication of what they might be, but there's been some speculation in recent days that the TVNZ-RNZ merger, which is another one of these big expensive reforms that no one can quite understand why the government wants to do it, and it's been complicated and um, distracted by a minister unable to really sell it to the public. So um, we'll see what happens in the next few uh, weeks and months. Remember, next week is the last major week of the, I call it the political economy schedule, when Parliament has its last week sitting. There will be two sitting days, Tuesday and Wednesday, with an end-of-year debate, and then the parliamentary press gallery Christmas party on Wednesday evening, which I'll be attending, is sign it signals the end of the political year. Uh, earlier that day on Wednesday, we'll get the half-yearly economic and fiscal update, which I'll attend, in which we should get the first hints of how much ammunition the government has to pull a rub rabbit out of the hat in next year's budget ahead of the election. What will be the middle-class welfare wheeze that is um, put before voters to try to get them to vote for Labour. And uh, the government is looking ahead now at a budget trajectory that's not looking quite as healthy as it did six months ago, given the Reserve Bank is hiking interest rates until the pips squeak and we head into a recession next year. So that will be interesting to see what the government uh, comes up with. Also, we should get a decision on Monday possibly later, on what the government does about the 25 cents a litre fuel uh, levy cuts, which were brought in in March as temporary measures. They cost $116 million a month, so it's already cost $1.2 billion in lost uh, tax revenues. And um, the government really doesn't have the excuse of saying, well, the oil prices remained high and therefore we have to keep helping consumers because the oil price has fallen sharply in the last few weeks and it's now down below where it was uh, at the beginning of the war in Ukraine and also the New Zealand dollar has bounced quite sharply in recent weeks about 16% from its lows in October and it's now back at six month highs at 64 cents or so. Now that is going to add to the effect of a lower US dollar oil price and really take the pressure off petrol prices and leave little room for the government to argue it's a financial decision 
And if the government decides to extend the levy, levy cuts again from the end of January, then that's a pretty clear political move and an expensive one at that. We'll see. Uh, Grant Robertson has spoken in recent days about tough fiscal decisions and the need to be fiscally responsible and to help the Reserve Bank keep pressure off inflation, although he might, might argue that um, not increasing petrol prices by 25 cents uh, by putting by removing the levy um, would help on the inflationary front. We shall see. Now, overseas, um, obviously that oil price fall has been an interesting one to watch. But elsewhere, the big news in the global economy this week has been clear signs, announcements, changes in policies from the Chinese government to wind back its very tough COVID policies. So you might recall a couple of weeks ago, an apartment building in Xinjiang burnt down. It had been locked up because of COVID cases in Xinjiang and 10 people burned to death. There were widespread protests across China against the very harsh COVID restrictions that are in place, including you know people being locked in their offices, people being put into isolation away from families and jobs at very short notice for second and third degree uh, exposures to people who might have had COVID, regular PCR tests, um, literally daily in many cases, and a growing sense from uh, Chinese people that this torture of um, lockdowns was never going to end. The problem for China, of course, is that it its vaccines, and remember it doesn't allow the mRNA vaccines into the country, its vaccines aren't quite as effective Certainly not if you've only had a couple of shots. If you had three or four, then it's not so bad. The problem for the Chinese government, though, is that it has large numbers of older uh, Chinese people who have not been vaccinated or not vaccinated the third and fourth times. And some research out this week via Wigram Capital's Rodney Jones, who is well known here for um, his um, uh, forecasting and modelling of the outbreaks in New Zealand, has modelled that China could see as many as 1.2 million deaths in the coming months as it looks like China decides to let it rip. Now that is because um, significant percentages of older people are not are vaccinated and China's uh, systems will come under enormous stress in the next couple of months. And there are fears that it will have to, at various points, resort again to lockdowns. So that's worth watching because, obviously, disruptions to output and uh, public order in China are important. Remember, of course, it's our largest trading partner and Australia's largest trading partner and is the world's second or third largest economy, depending on how you decide to carve up Europe in your categorization. And remember too that um, we're expecting recessions or very close to it in the United States and in Europe and potentially in China in the next year or so. So that's going to slow down our economy, which of course is already under uh, quite some pressure from the Reserve Bank's very quick increases in interest rates. So those are the big five things to focus on this week. Labour finally got three waters through Parliament. Two new polls shows that National is on track to win government outright in next year's election. China has pivoted away from its hard 
COVID zero policy, and the oil price back down below pre-war levels and putting all sorts of pressure on the government to not extend its fuel levy cuts uh, come the end of January, and we'll know in the next week or two whether or not the government does that. Hope you have a great weekend. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the Kaka for Friday, December the 9th. Kakite anō.